0: A series we've been doing about marriage and the family, and, and today we'll continue in that, and I have a few more messages. I, I hope to, uh, if God so leads that way, to wrap that up on Valentine's Day uh, with one final message. But today we're going to look at a, a topic, and I know some of these sermons are more specific for a certain audience. And so if you've come here today and you see the title of the message is Parenting God's Way, and you say, well, I don't have any kids or uh, my children are grown up or in this morning. Uh, but if you would, let's follow along. Psalm 127, verse 3 says this. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. Lord, we thank you today that you are the giver of life. And Lord, that you have chosen to use a man and a woman to procreate and to replenish the earth. Lord, we pray today for parents... Uh, parents of children that are still in the home, parents of those that have grown children, parents that have lost children. Lord, we pray that whatever season of life that they are in, that you would minister to them and you would remind them that you are our Heavenly Father. As believers, we have a Father who loves us unconditionally, who never leaves us, who is always there for us, who cares for us. And Lord, sometimes our earthly relationships, if they were strained, make it difficult to understand that kind of love and grace from our Heavenly Father. But Lord, may you reveal yourself through your word to us today so that we know you as you describe yourself and rest in that glorious truth that we are known and we are called to your sons and daughters by faith in Christ. Lord, we give you praise today for that. You made that relationship possible through Calvary's cross, and we give you glory today for that. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to start a little different this morning. I want to read to you three different quotes, and I want you to look for a common theme in these quotes. So let me give these to you quickly. The first one says this. The silence of the Bible on the plan for parenting along with the repetition of the Bible on spiritual growth, could lead us to conclude that God believes the parent's own spiritual growth is the most essential part of the quote-unquote how-to of parenting. In other words, God may be telling us, grow in me every day in faith, patience, virtue, love, and worship, and let that faith and growth perfume your house and anoint your children let me give you the second one this writer says parenting is like an airline emergency before takeoff every plane passenger is instructed that if the oxygen masks come down parents should put on their own masks first before attending to the kids why is that because in an emergency Kids need their parents to be able to think clearly and act effectively. If we don't take in oxygen, our thinking will grow fuzzy, and then our kids, depending on us to get it right, will ultimately suffer. He says what's true in the air physically is equally true on the ground spiritually. If we neglect our own, quote-unquote, spiritual oxygen, our walk with God, our motivations will become polluted Our ability to discern, empathize, encourage, and confront will waste away. We must see parenting as a process through which God purifies us, the parents, even as He shapes our children. Last one. Children are God's gifts to immature people to help them grow up. They are also God's gifts to help parents go deep with God. Parenting is not for anything. It is not a contract with God in which one gives countless hours in order to turn out good children that rise up and call us blessed. It is a covenant experience of belonging in which God meets us and forms us in the nitty-gritty of family life. The big question in the end is not how did the kids turn out, but how did the parents turn out? In all of those quotes, did you see a familiar theme? What was the focus on of parenting? What was the emphasis on? Was it ultimately on the children or was it on the parent? It was on the parent. But yet in our society today, as with so many things, that has been flipped upside down and the home is centered now around the children. The children dictate how the home is ran. The children dictate when decisions are made and how decisions are made. Things have all been shifted around and we see that attack on our families and sometimes it's so subtle in something like this that we don't even recognize it. We see the big attacks when the satanic temple is holding an after-school club in Lebanon. We say, boy, the enemy is attacking. That's blatantly obvious. But when things like this in our home happen and we reverse the roles and let the children take on more responsibility than God wants them to have, and we turn parenting into simply focusing on the kids rather than becoming who God wants us to be and instilling that through our lives into the kids. The enemy has won in victory there, too. But we just don't see it as clearly. We need the word of God to help us to discern all things, not just the blatantly obvious. So I want us to think about some things this morning and I want us to keep in mind that the goal of parenting, or grandparenting even, is for us to become who God wants us to be in that season of life. And through that, our children will learn as we teach them and instruct them, not just by the Word and our words, but by our lives, our godly living, our example. I want to give you, as we start out, a verse of Scripture that I think is really important, even though the context of this Scripture is not parenting, I believe the theme of this verse carries into all aspects of Christian life, including our homes and parenting, and that is 2 Corinthians 5.20. It says, Therefore, we are ambassadors. That's the word I want you to see. We are ambassadors for Christ. God is making his appeal through who? Through us. Think about, just think about that for a minute. God is making his appeal. Through believers, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. You see, sin has severed any relationship with God. If you are here or watching online this morning and you do not know Jesus Christ, you do not have a relationship with God. It is impossible for you to come to the Father by bypassing the Son. The way to the Father is through the Son. And the way to the Son is at Calvary's cross. You have to confess your sins, repent of your sins, place faith in Jesus Christ, and He reconciles sinful man with a holy God. And that is the message that God has given us as believers and given to His church to share with the lost and dying world. That's why the church takes some responsibility for the mess that we see going on. Because, as the church and the health of the church is, so to some degree is our world. Now, I understand the world is not going to receive our message with open arms. I understand that sin will cause the world to rebel, that unbelievers are going to do unbelieving things. I wholeheartedly understand that. But in the same breath, if we are complacent in our duty, If we neglect the Great Commission to go and make disciples, preaching the truth of the Word of God and baptizing them, uh, we have fallen short in our God-given responsibility. And that carries over into our homes. Here's the first point I want you to take away today. For many parents, it's easy to view our role as an ownership role rather than the role of an ambassador. These are my kids. I'm going to do it how I want to do it. Nobody's going to tell me how to do it. Pastor ain't going to tell me how to do it. Deacons ain't going to tell me how to do it. I'm going to do it my way. There was an old singer that that sang, I did it my way. You don't want to do it your way. If you're a believer, you can't do it your way. Your way way is not going to work out well for you. Um, So we've got to understand, number one, as parents, we are not, owners we are ambassadors to our children did you hear the language of the verse that we opened with today Psalm 127 verse 3 what is it said behold children are a heritage or a gift from the Lord the fruit of the womb is a reward God graciously allows us the privilege of raising children of being stewards. Of his creation and we get an opportunity to be an ambassador to them that word means a representative who are we representing to our kids to our neighbors to a lost watching world we are representing Jesus he sent us didn't that text from Corinthians say that God is making his appeal through us now we don't like to hear this and maybe to a degree it's an excuse but I think at times when people say something over and over and over again we probably ought to take a little bit of consideration that maybe what they're saying has some weight to it and what is the number one reason why lost people say they don't want to come to church it's full of what and if we're honest I don't know that everybody's a hypocrite but we can all be hypocritical at times we all fail to live out our faith as we ought to at times and I think we need to own that. I think we need to confess when we fall short of living the way that the Word of God says it is. If we come in here and, and preach and sing and, and, and act like we believe this book and then go out the rest of the week and don't live it, is our message going to be received? And ultimately, it's a black eye, not just on us and our church, but it's a, it's a blow against the Lord because we are His representatives. What we are supposed to say and do should model what He wants from us. And it's the same way in our home. Paul David Tripp, I I encourage you, even if you're not a parent, but especially if you are a parent, you need to write this down. Paul David Tripp is the author, and his book is Parenting. It should be required reading for every person, even if you're not a believer, I, I, I think, but especially if you're a believer. It should be required reading for you. If you ever have children, considering having children, work with children, it's a fantastic, godly, biblical book. And he says this. I'm going to quote him several times. He says um, of an ambassador, it's someone who faithfully represents the message, method, and character of the leader who sent him. The message, methods, and character. So when we talk and when we live out our life to the best that we can through the enabling of the Holy Spirit, we need to try to live consistent lives. If this book says it and we say we believe it, then we ought to live it. Because faith without works is dead. I know we fall short, and when we fall short, we confess it, and we repent of it. And we be honest, and we ask for forgiveness if we've hurt people. Many times, our kids hurt us, but we hurt our kids. And we should never be so self-righteous that we can't go to our children and say, you know what, mom and dad was wrong, dad was wrong, mom was wrong. We need to be able to confess our sins to one another as well, don't we? And that includes our kids. And so we need to understand parenting, the role is for us to grow in Christ. And as a result, we model that for our kids and help them to see who God really is through His Word, but also through us as we live that out by the Spirit. That's number one. I want you to think about this also. Not only are you an ambassador, but you have a high calling. We talk about the word calling in Scriptures, that it is the call of the Holy Spirit. When you're lost, you fall under conviction. You hear the Lord beckoning you to come and and receive Christ. There's that kind of call. For those that have been called into ministry, there was a time in my life where I sensed God's calling to enter into ministry. Those are times when God is dealing specifically with you as an individual, and He is speaking directly to you. He speaks to every believer through His Word, but there are times and seasons when He speaks directly to you about a situation. I shared when I sang the song last night, The Holy Spirit ministered directly to me in the season I was in. Maybe everybody else in the church has been on cloud nine. But I was down in the valley, and I needed to hear that, and I needed to repent of my idolatry for looking for joy in the wrong places. I needed to hear that, and God got the message through to me. And he used a human agent to help me hear that message. That's how he works. An ambassador sent me the message that I needed to hear And then I got in his word and got confirmation. It's really quite simple. But if we fail to send that text, make that call, take the visit, God will still get his work done. It's us that miss out on the blessing. We're the ones that miss out. God's will will still be done. He's not saying, well, I was hoping Brother George would go visit and he didn't go, so now I don't know what I'm going to do. Everything's a mess. My My whole plan is shot. That's not how it works. He'll use somebody else. George will be the one that will miss out on the blessing and be out of the will of God. And so we need to understand we're ambassadors, but we also need to understand that parenting is a high calling. It is a very high calling. There are people that want to have children that aren't able to have children. And I'm not going to pretend for a moment to stand up here and speak for God on why some folks, godly people, can't have children. All I know is that God is in control, and you have to trust Him in those difficult times. But for those that have been interested, are we living up to the high calling? We know that many folks, all of us, I would say, fall short as parents. None of us get it right all the time. But there are some kids that unfortunately grow up in homes that are very, very bad, quite frankly. And those are difficult situations. And a lot of times if it's an unbelieving home, it's because they don't obviously understand the calling or the, the, the reason that children are a heritage, they're a reward from God. So much so that many people see children as an inconvenience. That's why, unfortunately, we have to have Sanctity of Life Sunday. I wish that never existed. I wish we didn't have to have a special day set apart to remember and recognize and fight for the lives of future children because by the time I finish this message, hundreds will have been murdered. It's a sad thing that we even have to talk about that. But that's the reality of a sinful world that we live in. People don't want the responsibility or the burden of raising a child. So rather than make that decision before conception happens, they make a decision after the fact that involves terminating a life. And that's sad. But as parents, if you are blessed to have children and you, or you have had children, I want to read to you, we've, we've read this verse many times, Deuteronomy chapter 6. This is what's known as the Shema. It's still a prayer that even devout Jews pray to this day if you see Jews at the wailing wall in Jerusalem most often they are praying portion of this this prayer the shema is the opening verses of Deuteronomy 6 verse 4 hear o israel that's shema in the greek or in the hebrew hear o israel the lord our god the lord is one you shall love the lord your god with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might you shall teach them diligently or these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Do you see what God is saying there to parents? He gives them the most important instruction To love God with all of your heart, your soul, and your might. And to make sure that you are speaking and acting and doing everything humanly possible to make sure that they understand that message. The importance of God will be seen in the lives of your kids primarily by you. You can bring them to a great help. You can involve them in all sorts of extracurricular Christian activities, and that will help. But none of those things can replace your duty as parents in the home to live and model the Christian life. Nothing can. And I'll go so far as to say that if you don't, all of the other stuff will not be able to sustain them. There are aisles of books. Elizabeth can relate to this because we both worked at Lifeway For I worked there for a season. She worked there longer than I did. But she can relate, and I can relate to the fact that there are aisles of books on many different topics, and one of those topics is, hmm, why do kids leave church when they turn 18? I don't know how many books we need to, to answer that question, and I'm no expert, and I'm sure there are different theories and reasons but to me it's pretty obvious and i'm not i'm not picking on anybody here i'm not picking on any church in general but it's just an overarching theme if if church and the word of god and prayer for 18 years of their life was really not all that important in your home and coming to worship together was just a passing fancy from time to time why on earth do you think that when they hit 18 and now they're, they're adults and they're free to make their own decisions and they can leave the house and do what they want, why do you think all of a sudden they're going to say, there's nothing more that I want to do now with my freedom than to spend all my time reading the word of God, hanging out with Christian people and going to church? Do you think, I mean, are, we're not that naive, are we, to think that's going to happen? They are just biding their time. They're here right now because they have to be. But for the majority of them, if, if they're not in a real relationship with Jesus Christ themselves, if they're not connected to the church themselves, they'll be part of the 80% or more that goes out there. Now, fortunately, some come back, and it's usually when they have kids of their own. But you can save them a lot of grief and a lot of heartache if you do everything, you can't save them, we know that. But to do everything you can to make sure, not only are they saved, but are they, they are seeing a healthy, growing, growing, vibrant relationship with Christ. And you've got to do that for them. The church can't do it. I can't do it. You've got to do it. We will come alongside of you, I will come alongside of you in any way that I can to support you as godly Christian parents. But I can't replace the role as their parent. And neither can the church. It has to fall on us. We've got to take that responsibility, guys, um, to do what Deuteronomy says, to live it out and model it. If you've blown it up until that point, go to your kids today, sit down and say, look, I have not done a good job at this. The message today showed me that, but from here on out, I want to do the best I can. Will you forgive me and let's work together to do better? That's all you can do. You can't live in yesterday and in the past and, and wallow in guilt and shame and what ifs. you got to go forward with today. And so... I want you to understand it's a calling that you've been given. It's a high calling to be a parent, a wonderful calling. It's a blessing. I hope that your kids are never a burden to you. I know sometimes it seems burdensome, but kids are not a burden. They should never be a burden. And that's where I want to close with this message today to try to give you some encouragement as parents because it's not easy. Parenting is not for the faint of heart, is it? It can be downright tough. Because people, and kids are people, can be difficult, right? We can be difficult. Our kids get on our last nerve, and kids, does mom and dad get on your last nerve? You can say amen. It's okay. I'll stick up for you. We understand. It's not easy. You're trying to navigate through life. And here's the thing. We've got to remember this, too. Generationally, especially as fast as things are moving nowadays, we're two different. We're on two different planets sometimes, aren't we? Right? Like, in churches it's difficult, and you see this a lot, there's always, to some degree in every church, some tension between the younger folks and the older folks. Because that spills over into everything. It spills over into the music. It spills over into the style of worship. It spills over into the dress. And those are secondary issues, and unfortunately in churches we allow... Minor things to become major things and we focus on silly things that really don't matter like at the end of the day at this church at least you can come in here decked out in a three-piece suit or you can wear a t-shirt and jeans at the end of the day I'm going to wear what I feel like God wants me to wear and you should do the same I think that there's a calling for modesty I think that there's a calling for certain dress to be left at home but at the end of the day I don't think we ought to focus on secondary things and divide and, and split the church over stuff like that, you know. But as parents, we're in two different worlds sometimes. And and it's tough. It's tough because kids are trying to find themselves and you're trying to make sure that in some ways they don't find themselves the way that they're going. And that tension is real. And in that moment, this is my third and final point, grace as a parent is your best friend. Grace as a parent is your best friend because here's some things... For myself as a parent that I've learned over the years, and if you're a parent, you've learned this, or if you're planning to be a parent someday, write these down because it's going to happen. You are going to face questions as a parent that you can't answer. Kids are going to come to you with stuff and you're like, I don't have any idea. They may use words and you're like, i got to go find a dictionary and to find out what you're even saying right now because I don't even know what you just said to me, Right? You're going to find that there's problems you can't fix. One of the hardest things as a parent is to let your child go through a problem and not try to save them every time. Parents, please don't try to save your children from everything. They have got... Part of the problem today in our society, part of the reason why I think people are so easily offended, I'm going to be careful with my words here, thin-skinned, is because they've always been bailed out. The government bails us out. Parents are supposed to bail us out. Church is supposed to bail us out. And we never experience walking through the fire. Sometimes you just got to go through it. And you got to realize that as parents, we love, we love our kids. Goodness gracious, the last thing you want to do is see them hurt. I remember, I'm going to pick on M. I remember when she was learning to ride a bike. And, and if you've ever taught your kids to ride a bike, you know they're going to fall. It's inevitable. No, none of them jump on there first time without the training wheels, and off they go perfectly. You know they're going to fall. But it looked kind of silly if you know she's 18 years old now, and I'm still walking around every time she rides a bike like this, <laughs> so she don't fall down. I had to let go of the bike and let her bang up her knee and her elbow and different things, so that eventually she would learn that she can do it without dad. And if you don't let them go and experience the good and the bad, they're never going to be able to do this thing on their own. They're going to have problems and you can't always fix that for them. You're going to face for yourself worries that the Bible says be anxious for nothing. The first time they get their license and pull out of that driveway, you read that verse and see how you do. The first time they leave for college, you read that verse. I'm not saying that it's impossible to be anxious for nothing or God wouldn't have commanded it. But I'm saying in that moment you're going to really find out that anxiety is real if, if you haven't figured that out already. There's worry as parents. And there's discouragement as parents. It's, you're not abnormal at all if you go through times with your kids where all you can do is just cry. You are absolutely exhausted. You're tired of fighting. You're tired of yelling. You're tired of asking. And you're just discouraged. That doesn't make you a bad parent. It makes you normal. And in all of those situations, your best friend is grace. Your best friend will be grace. Because parenting, as with any part of the Christian life, requires doing it God's way. And I want to close with this verse second corinthians twelve nine. this is probably some of your all's favorite verse your life verse it's a it's a it's a wonderful verse and i want to go through it real i want to go through it quickly but i also want to go through it somewhat slow so that we can really see what's being said here so paul is writing and he says but he god okay god said to me paul my grace is sufficient. I think we all are somewhat aware of what grace is. It's it's unmerited, undeserved favor. It's a gift. It's not something we earned or deserved. Right? So salvation is by grace, through faith. It's a gift that we receive simply by believing. We don't earn it. We don't deserve it. Can't work for it. God says to Paul, my grace, my unmerited favor, my free gift, is sufficient efficient that's a great word and i'll I'll use it in a parenting context or maybe even if you're not a parent have you ever come in here let's say on wednesday nights you come into church on wednesday night you've worked all day you're wore out you make it to church you sit down and here comes the kids and they come in the room and they're do about 400 laps around the building and down the hallway they go and we're looking at them and what do we say to ourselves i wish i had their energy don't We all have said that, don't we? That's exactly what that word sufficient means. It's unfailing, unending source of energy. Source of strength. God says, my grace, my gift, is an unfailing source of strength for you. He goes on and says, my power, that's a supernatural type of power, my power is made perfect. It's complete. What did Jesus say? What was one of the things Jesus said on the cross? It is finished. That's exactly what this is saying here. He's saying that my power is complete. It's finished. Where? Where is His power made perfect? In weakness. In our weakness. That means to be frail and feeble when you feel like you can't even put another foot in front of the other when you look to the Lord, His grace is sufficient and His power is made perfect in you. Man, that is a powerful verse. If you receive that and believe that by faith, and then Paul switches gears and listen to what he says. Therefore, I, Paul, will boast, not in me, I will boast all the more gladly of those weaknesses. Why? So that that power of Christ may rest. That literally means to live inside of me. That's the way that Paul wants to live his life. Paul recognized that he was a weak man. He had weaknesses all over. And if we are honest, guys, this morning, we are weak. That little children's song. They are weak. But He is strong. That is still the truth. We don't outgrow that. We are weak. We are sinful. We are easily deceived. We are confused. We doubt. We're just like the disciples. We're just like Israel. We're not all that different. Different times, different cultures, but same type of people with the same type of struggles. And yet in that weakness, the same God shows up the same deliverer, the same chain breaker is still here for us. As parents, when you go through those times of weakness, grace is your friend. Turn to the Lord and say, I have no answers for this. Lord, I need your strength to make it through this. And he said that he would do just that. It'll enable you to accept your weakness. It's, it's kind of a cliche thing, but we say it all the time. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. You're not qualified to be a parent. I'm not either. But God gave you that calling. Maybe he did today. And maybe you say, my children are grown, and that season has passed. You got a whole bunch of wisdom that some young parents in here would gladly like to hear don't feel like that that season's done and it can't benefit anyone or you anymore. I mean, I would love to have ministries in in every church that are mentorship ministries where people who have been through things can help people that are going through things or going to be going through things. And man, for young parents, there is nothing more valuable than godly counsel and wisdom. Man, oh man. You know, a lot of times, and this is no knock again on any church or any person, But a lot of times, we put the young people in charge of the young people. We want a good youth ministry, so we find some 18-year-old person that likes to eat pizza and and get hit in the face with pies, and we say, you're perfect, you lead the youth. And that doesn't mean that they can't do a good job. That doesn't mean that they can't be spiritually mature beyond their years. But I think there is some value for having some folks that has been around the block. I do. You ain't that old at all. But I'm going to say that you've got life experience. You've been in ministry long enough. You've raised kids of your own. You've got experience. And I don't care how godly that 18-year-old is, they don't have that. And you all will reap the benefits of having folks like that that can share those stories with you. Now, what you do with them is up to you. But they can give you the godly counsel. And I've seen them do it many times already. And I thank God for that. So today I'm going to invite the praise team to come. And I'm going to invite you as a congregation as we sing this song to think about your life, where you're at. And most of all, if anything else, maybe this parenting thing has nothing to do with you today. But your need for grace does. Your need for mercy does. Sometimes we are, we talked about in Sunday school, the hardest person to forgive sometimes is ourselves. We struggle so much to forgive ourselves. And the Lord says, I've taken all those sins and cast them as far as the east is from the west. If you've never looked to Jesus today as your Savior, I invite you, He invites you, to simply come and say, Lord, I'm weak, but You are strong. The Bible says that whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I'm a whosoever. I'm willing today to receive that by faith and give my life to You. If that's your need, whatever your need is, the altar is open, I'm going to pray, they're going to sing, and I hope You'll respond. So let's pray. Father, we come to You this morning. Grateful that you would give us an opportunity to be here today or to watch online. And now, Lord, as your spirit moves, I pray that we would hear that call and that we would respond. That we would say, Lord, not only do I hear it, but I'm going to obey it and I'm going to follow it. I'm going to do whatever I need to do in my life to be a better parent, a better husband, a better wife, a better Christian, a better church member, a better worker, a better student. Whatever area of life I'm in, Lord, I need you to live out through me so that I can shine my light in a dark world. Lord, have Your way in my life and in the life of this church. And we give You praise today in Jesus' name. Amen. As we stand and as we sing the old rugged cross,